0: Hey everyone, this is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt and I'm so glad that you are joining us. We believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to study alone, so we choose to do it in community. We will take three books this semester, one chapter a week to really dig in and understand the context and the culture that the book was written in so that we can better understand how to apply what God was saying to our lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we are going through the book of 2 Thessalonians, and today's episode is chapter 2, The Man of Lawlessness. So, I am not going to lie, I have been a little nervous about teaching this chapter because there is just so much to it. In fact, in my study... I came across a wonderful quote that pretty much sums it up. It says that second Thessalonians chapter two verses one through 17 is probably the most obscure and difficult passage in the whole of the Pauline correspondence. And how true is that? One of the things that um, is true is that we, there's not this black and white timeline that we can turn to that tells us exactly how the last days are going to pan out. You have to look across scripture from the prophets to um, Jesus through Daniel and even in Revelation to get pieces of it. And then with each piece that there is, there are so many different interpretations. And, you know, I have to just think that God gives us these nuggets and through the power of the Holy Spirit – He will reveal things to us because he doesn't want the enemy to know his plans. And so this is kind of encrypted. And through the word plus the Holy Spirit— in his timing, he'll reveal truth to us. So what we are doing today is we are planting the word in our hearts. We might not have a full understanding of it, but with it being in our hearts, we're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. And so I've just asked that you extend grace to me because I only understand in part. I told the team that we aren't even peeling Um, one layer of the onion off. We're literally scratching the surface of that layer with our fingernail. We're going to do the best we can, and if we're wrong in our understanding, we are going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide us. So let's get started. This is a very exciting chapter, and um, Paul had a lot to say about it. So verse 1, it says, Now concerning the second coming and our being gathered to him, right off, this is a review of some things we learned in chapter 4, First Thessalonians. Now concerning the second coming, that is part of that parousia. You know, we, we learned that we are going to be caught up in the clouds. That is the part of our being gathered to him. We will be gathered to him as saints, as believers, and the dead in Christ will as well. And then remember that parousia is him coming back down to earth and we will come with him. So really what Paul is talking about right now are two parts of one event. And what most scholars believe in our day and time is that there are seven years of tribulation that is in between these two parts. That is how I'm going to teach this today with the overall View of most scholars today. So he's saying concerning this, concerning that second coming when Jesus puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and are being gathered, that's when what scholars call the rapture. We ask you, brothers, not to be easily upset in mind or trouble, either by a spirit or by a message or a letter, as if from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in that way. So a couple of things to talk about, about this end time, is that we are supposed to have peace. In fact, Jesus tells his audience in Matthew 24 to watch and to be ready. In Thessalonians, Paul encourages that church to not be ignorant, to not be shaken, and to comfort one another. So this is exciting and good news for the believer. It appears that this church has been confronted with a claim that the day of the Lord has already come. And Paul is warning them that this is a false teaching, and he's going to give them certain events that have to occur first. Now we don't know how this false teaching came to them. Paul lists out a number of things that it could have been a a, a false prophet. That's that it either by a spirit, um, that he's talking about a, a spirit, a prophecy. Paul warns in First Thessalonians to test, um, prophecy. We're supposed to pursue it. It's one of the gifts of God, but we are also to test it because there are false prophets in the world. Um, It could have been a teacher that was teaching a message, or it could have even been a forged letter that somebody had sent saying it was from Paul. But anyway, he's saying don't be deceived. And we see that even back then that the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of deception was at work, and there were already false teachings going around. So how much more now do we need to be on guard? So then he goes on, hang on. Okay, there's a lot in my notes. So I want to kind of quickly review these two parts of one event. This getting caught up in the clouds with the Lord, there is that Latin word rapturo, which we call rapture. And most scholars in our day believe that while we are caught up in the clouds with the lord there will be a seven year period here on earth now will we be up there for seven years or will it be the blink of an eye i don't know because god lives outside of time and space and I don't know if we will be in that dimension or not. But the seven-year period is a very well-known idea in the Bible. We know from God's Word that it's going to be divided into two parts. So there'll be three and a half years, and then there's going to be a shift. And the second three and a half years will be hard- or harder. The titles or the idea of the seven years is called the Great Tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel or Jacob's Trouble. And in the first half, the first 3.5 years, it appears that that is going to be the rise of the Antichrist power. It also hints in scripture or leads some to believe that there there will be a second temple rebuilt. I, I fall in that camp. There's some people that believe that that is figurative and there won't literally be a second temple, but it does seem like there will be another temple rebuilt. Now I'm going to stop here for a second just so that you can know a little bit about this. Um, There was Solomon's temple that he built on um, the mount in Jerusalem, and then it got destroyed during the Babylonian exile. And so when um, King Cyrus um, you know, we learned about this in Daniel, all the different empires of the world. So the next empire comes and they he allows the children of Israel to return to Jerusalem. And with the leadership of Nehemiah, they begin rebuilding the temple. What's interesting is not everyone returns. A lot of people got um, adjusted to the luxurious way of life of the Babylonians, Babylonians. And so they chose to stay. So Nehemiah had a group that rebuilt the temple. And in 70 A.D., after Jesus' death, Titus led a group of Roman soldiers in, and they destroyed it, and there has not been a rebuild since. Now, something interesting that is taking place right now, that all of Israel is does not belong to Israel. The Gaza Strip and the Temple Mount belongs to the Palestinians. And so if you actually go to Israel It is a touchy, it's touch and go whether you can even go on to the Temple Mount. Now, Newly has been to Israel probably five times. I've been once and I got to go on it. And all of Newly's trips, except for one, they were allowed to go on the Temple Mount. It just depends on how the Palestinians are feeling that day. And you have to be extremely covered. And they, they they check your dress to get in. And then when you go, you see the Dome of the Rock, which looks like a huge mosque that is on top of the Temple Mount right now. And while you are up there, it's an Islamic shrine. And while you're up there, you are not allowed to talk about any biblical history. You are only allowed to talk about this um, this Dome of the Rock and they are actually on golf carts and they ride around to the different groups and they listen to what is being taught. And so if for some reason we see in the news that there is a shift in who occupies the temple, our radars need to be going off because this is a huge thing that will have to be overcome in order for the temple to be rebuilt israel does not occupy they do not own that land right now but i will tell you that in israel the priestly garments and the furniture and the accessories that are supposed to go into the temple are in a warehouse ready for this rebuild and in order you know now there's a mosque on there so this the land is unclean and it will have to be cleansed with a red heifer and there has been a red heifer this past year Um, shipped to Jerusalem so they are ready for this temple but we just have to see if things unfold where the temple can be rebuilt so this possibly will happen in the first half of the the seven year tribulation there will be a treaty that this man this antichrist will sign with Israel and so we just need to be watching and waiting I'm going to pause right there and then I will pick up the second half in just a minute. We're going to move on to verse 3. It says, for that day will not come. So this whole second coming and us being gathered, it's not going to come unless the apostasy comes first. And the, land, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, the son of perdition. So this apostasy is the great falling away something i learned that i honestly didn't know i didn't understand fully is it's not just oh that generations are being born and they're not following christ this is an actual abandoning of a formally held position so this great apostasy will be that the church believers who once believed in christ will deny their beliefs and they will turn away it's like an aggressive revolt against christianity it's being opposed to god and many church leaders believe that there is works of a a worldwide deception to overwhelm the human race that will somehow um, falsely prove that jesus and christianity is not authentic So another thing to have your radar up. So this great apostasy, this great abandoning of a formerly held position will happen and the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Let's talk a little bit about this man of lawlessness. He is a man who separates himself from Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. It's known as God's instructions to Moses. I mean, think about this. If you. Our creator, you created the earth and everything in it. Don't you know how it operates because you created the very thing and how it operates? And so what the Torah was, was God's instruction manual to Moses. This is how you live to have peace and unity in the world. This man will separate himself from Torah. He will be a man who wants none of God's way of order In the universe he will claim that he is Messiah and he will rule the earth and he will gather the world's armies against Israel we don't know who he is he has not been revealed yet but we know that he will be empowered by Satan he will stand in place of Christ and he will be able to gather the world together so he'll be a great political power Let's see, he is going to be joined by a partner, which is the false prophet. He's going to be, this false prophet is a hype man. He's a miracle worker, and he will do everything to bring glory to the Antichrist. There have been, there has been the spirit of Antichrist working in this world for many, many, many years. In fact, I've always been told that Satan doesn't know when Jesus is going to return so he always has to have someone in place and so some of these had been the Caesars I mean Nero being one of the worst of the Caesars they held this description Hitler Stalin Antiochus Epiphanes these are many people that fit the description of what Daniel calls the little horn who causes the abomination of desolation Now, going back to the series of time, remember two parts of one event. I talked about the rapture and I talked about the first half of the tribulation. So somehow, some way, Israel is going to trust this man, which is so crazy to me. Because right now, Israel is this tiny, tiny nation and it is surrounded by huge nations that are powerful that hate them. But when you go to Israel you feel overwhelming peace and their military is state of the art and they take it very seriously. Men and women have to go in. So there's like this draft. They are prepared. They are on guard at all times. And I cannot even fathom the technology that they have. Israel is still blessed, even though that they have turned away from God and God's hand of protection has still been on them for many years. And so for, for some crazy um events israel is going to look at this man and trust him and they will sign a treaty with him well halfway through the seven year of tribulation he the antichrist will turn on them and that is when scripture reveals that he will say that he is to be worshiped and he will desecrate the temple in the most holy place So when we read that, it could just be symbolic, but it also could be that this third temple is built, and that he enters the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant once was, and he sets up a shrine and says, worship me. So during this time, the Israelites will be taken to the wilderness, and God's hand will protect them, and there will be many hard days for three and a half years, but then jesus will come back that's that parousia he will take us back to the earth his foot will step on the mount of olives we read that in zechariah 14 it will be split in half and he will set up his kingdom there will be a thousand year period of reigning from jerusalem and in this time satan will be bound for a thousand years it appears that the curse of of the earth will be reversed isaiah talks about the lion laying with the lamb and it also talks about children playing near vipers and not being hurt because the earth will be at peace as it should be and we will reign with christ we who's we those of us that got caught up in the clouds with him those that were dead in in christ that rose and those of us that are on earth during this time but get swept away and caught up with him We will all be in our glorified bodies. We will will return to earth with him. And Revelation 20 says we will have work to do. We will reign with Christ, and we're going to have a lot of things to do. Okay, so the apostasy has to happen, and the man of lawlessness has to be revealed. Just seeing if I covered everything. Okay, verse four says, he opposes, talking about this Antichrist, and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in God's sanctuary, publicizing that he himself is God. I already touched on this a little, but I do want to read some scripture that that further describes this. In Matthew 24, Jesus tells us, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. We're going to go read what the prophet Daniel said. Now, those of you that have studied this, with us, we have a podcast. It's chapter nine. I'm specifically today going to read chapter 27, but this is a great teaching. If you want to go back and, and listen in verse 27, it says, he will make a firm covenant with many. So that's talking about the Antichrist with Israel for one week, but in the middle of one week, he will put a stop to saf- sacrifice an offering, and the abomination of desolation will be on a wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. So this one week is um, figurative. It's just talking about a period of time. I don't know if I go into detail on that in the chapter, but we're not going to detail on that teaching today because of time. Okay, so another thing that I want to talk about is in Revelation 13, so let me flip there, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, Revelation 13 and this is what John says I saw a beast coming out of the sea he had 10 horns and 7 heads and on his horn were 10 diadems and on his head were blasphemous names the beast I saw was like a leopard his feet was like a bear and his mouth was like a lion's mouth the dragon gave him his power his throne his great authority so the dragon being satan gave the antichrist his great authority and his throne one of the heads appeared to be fatally wounded but his fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who was able to wage war against him? A mouth was given to him to speak, boast, and blasphemies. And he was given authority to act for 42 months. He began to speak blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his dwelling. Those who dwell in heaven. This is serious stuff. He is going to have great power and he is going to turn the world towards the dragon and they are going to glorify and magnify the dragon. So Paul ends up saying in verse 5, remember, I told you about this. So unfortunately, well, fortunately for them, Paul gave them an extensive teaching in those three weeks he had with them in person. This was of utmost importance for them to know. And he's saying, remember, I told you about this. Unfortunately, we are not privy to that in-depth teaching. In verse 6, he says, and you know what currently restrains him. So there is something in this world restraining the Antichrist holding him back. And it's a what that word is neutral in the Greek so that he will be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Okay, so this mystery, it's a mystery to us. We do not know who Antichrist is, but that the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of the age has been at work. And we see that Satan has had his 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 men set up throughout time, wicked men who thought of themselves as God, and they would have been a perfect candidate had the end times begin. He goes on to say, but the one now restraining will do so until he is out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. So this time he says the one restraining, that word one in the Greek has a masculine tint. Now we do not know who this restrainer is, but this church did. So all we can do is speculate, but I love um, one of the early church fathers, Saint Augustine. He says, "I frankly confess that the meaning of this completely escapes me. We don't know. They did the early church fathers, even though they were just barely removed from Jesus's day, they didn't know. But the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Background Commentary has a list of ideas. Some believe, some scholars believe, God is restraining. A lot of people." Probably the most common belief is that the Holy Spirit is restraining, that the political leaders of in law and order is restraining. See, law and order will be removed because the law will be coming from the Antichrist. Um, the gospel and the proclaimers of the gospel is restraining it. The Jewish state is. We have no idea, but there is a restrainer, and one day the restrainer will be removed, and this man will come to power. Verse 8 says, I love this. I love this. The Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing with the brightness of his coming. That's powerful. Like, just think of the Antichrist being a little candle and God just going and blowing him out with no effort. And then also, you know, in, in Revelation, it talks about how when Jesus sets up his kingdom, there, there won't be a sun anymore. The world will shine with his brightness. And his brightness is so magnificent. And the weight of his glory is so powerful that just the brightness of his coming will disintegrate this creature. This is also imagery that Isaiah used, Um, chapter 11, verse 4. He says, one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Now, I'm going to read verses 9, 10, and 11. Verse 9 says, the coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. This is, again, something that Paul urged the Thessalonian church to do and we must do is when we see these signs and wonders and miracles and prophecy we have to test them we have to put them up to truth which is in scripture because Satan can do these same things but we see when Jesus performed miracles it was always out of love and compassion he was selfless verse 10 says with every unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth in order to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe what is false, so that they will be condemned. Those who do not believe the truth, but enjoy unrighteousness. God is going to send a great delusion and they will believe what is false. This seems a little strong, but remember, these people are rejecting truth and God has been so patient and he has loving kindness and he has poured his spirit out in every way, shape or form trying to reach to reach people. So these people by this time, they are just people that say, nope, I choose not to follow what is true. They want the lie. And so God Is not forcing this great um, delusion on anyone, but it's a result of their rejection of truth. Romans 1 says that he will give man up to the depravity of their heart. He gives them what they long for, what they ask for. Remember, this is going to be a generation that enjoys unrighteousness. So we are going to look here at Revelation 17. This gives us some insight on what is mentioned here what paul is talking about okay i'm going to read for a little bit revelation 17 says then the then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and spoke with me talking to john come i will show you the judgments of the notorious prostitute one who sits on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. So he carried me away in spirit to the desert. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. We've seen that before, that Antichrist. The woman was dressed in purple scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She had a gold cup in her hand filled with every vial. Everything vile, and with the impurities of her prostitution, and on her forehead a cryptic name was written, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the vile things of the earth. And I saw the woman was drunk on the blood of the saints, and on the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. This was something that overcame John. I can't imagine seeing this. So she's riding on the Antichrist. She's a great p- prostitute. Mystery Babylon. Babylon was the birthplace of all the mystery religions, which was idolatry. This is where the birth of homosexuality, gender fluidity was created. In fact, where Babylon sits was ancient Mesopotamian, the goddess Inanu. If you study her, she stands for all of these things. And so the spirit of the age has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So this mystery Babylon is actually the religious world system. So the saints, the true saints, are going to be swip, swept up, and we're going to meet God in the clouds. And if it's true that the seven year tribulation is happening while we are up there, there will still be corrupt men in religious systems, and this system will be what rides on the antichrist. Um, let's see what I added something. So the Antichrist, um, hang on a second. Okay, so I'm going to read the second part. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will tell you the secret meaning of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was And is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. I'm going to skip ahead. This chapter is really fascinating, but for time's sake, I'm jumping to verse 15. And he said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So basically what is happening is there will have been created during the time of Antichrist a one world religion. And that is happening now. I don't know if you've heard of Chrislam, but if you want to look into it, that there are several church leaders that are working very hard together with other religions to come up with a one world religion. And that is what this mystery Babylon is, this harlot. She is the religious world system, the one world religion that will be formed today that is in the works now. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. Now, isn't that interesting? This is the, the, the Antichrist will work with the religious world system to get <clears throat> his power and to get the world to trust him, but there's going to come a time, and, and and I'm telling you right now the religious world system is using the Antichrist, they're using each other, but there's coming a time where he is going to hate her, then Um, They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up in the fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out this plan, having one purpose, and to give their kingdoms to the beast until God's words are accomplished. And the woman you saw is the great city and has an empire over the kings of the earth. So this woman, this world system is a great city and an empire that has power over the kings of the earth. Now, what is happening is this Antichrist wants all of the worship, so he doesn't need her anymore. All tyrants have followed this plan. They use the religious system of the day, and then they discard it when they have received maximum power, and then they set themselves up as king. But I love that it says, for God has put into their hearts to carry out this plan by having one purpose. God is still sovereign, and he is in control. And so that is what Paul is talking about when he says that he'll send them a strong delusion. He is going to let them believe what they want to believe. So then, (coughs) this is heavy, and Paul switches gears, and he says, he's going to reassure this Thessalonican church We must always thank God for you. I mean, talk about switch gears. This is a repeated idea. We love Paul for it. We need to follow in his example. And then he calls them brothers loved by the Lord. Like, hey, whoever came to deceive you, you are God's chosen. You are in the family of God. And he even says from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and through your belief in the truth. That is how sanctification comes. It comes by the Holy Spirit and our belief, putting it to practice, we grow. He called you this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our God. Therefore, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught either by our message or by our letter. So here, the stand firm is not a little mamsy pamsy word. It is like a military term. It's the embodiment of. Of the warrior spirit. I learned that from Trisha Kemp in my study group. Think about that. It's the embodiment of the warrior spirit. Stand firm. And in, in how do warriors go to battle? They go to boot camp first, they practice, they train, they exercise their might. And that is where we are today. We God is telling us to be prepared. He's telling us that we must ingest and digest the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to stir in our hearts. We can have head knowledge. So that is reading the word is the head knowledge, but it has to work with the Holy Spirit to move to our heart. And this is exercising our faith. We have to get strong because I'm telling you, there is coming a day where I don't know when we're going to be caught up in the clouds because it's, it's not clear. And there might be a day and it might be on this side of that, that great event where we are told that we cannot get food unless we have this mark. And, in, and we in order to get the mark, we have to deny our faith. Now, if you have not been exercising, there is no way that you're going to be able to look at your hungry child and say, let's go hungry. But if you have exercised your faith, if you have trained, if you have prepared, if you have grown your faith... We'll be able to say we will never turn from God and our faith is in him and him alone. And our children will look at us and trust us and we will say God will provide and we will not take that mark. Although we don't have full understanding of these end times, like, like I say, there's so many different events. It's scattered through scripture. And for every place in scripture, there's seven different thoughts of theology. What I believe is when we ingest this in God's time and as these world events unfold, God will connect the dots through the power of the Holy spirit, but we have to have it in us for him to be able to connect the dots and reveal truth. So this time that we are in, is preparation time. And we have to stand firm. We will not be able to stand firm on that day if we have not prepared for this. I'm going to leave you with something that Dr. Constable said, and it really blew me away. Because while I'm teaching here, I have my Bible out, I have my notebooks, I have sticky pads, and I have commentaries. But this is what is quoted in Dr. Constable's notes. We are almost incurably convinced that the use of notebooks is essential to the learning process. This, however, was not the case in the first century. Then it was often held that if a man had to look something up in a book that he really didn't know it. The true scholar was a person who had committed to memory the things he had learned. And until a man had teaching in his memory, he was not considered to really have mastered this. Guys, no one goes to a crossfit competition by going on a walk every day. They have trained for months. They had pushed themselves. They have had a coach that said, come on, you can do a little bit more. You can add heavier weight. Your stance needs to be right. And, and I'm going to time you in this. I mean, it is serious, serious business. And how much more should we take our faith? We have to stand firm. And I promise you, God will be with us. And it, when you look in the word of God and when you read about martyrs, there is always a story of the Holy Spirit coming into the person being martyred, or they're, they're already in them, but coming over them, outpouring out of them, where they can look at the face of the people attacking them and say, God, forgive them, just like we saw Jesus on the cross. We will have everything it takes to endure, but we have to train. So in closing, I do want to mention, that was heavy, (laughs) but it's serious, guys. It's serious. I know this isn't a popular, you know, feel good message, but it's time. It's time for us to take our faith seriously. Um, I do want to invite you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're gonna change change gears to our pass our first annual Passover Seder on April 5th. It's gonna be at six o'clock in the C- Bridge City Community Center. This is for men and women, and so invite and, and and really your your sons and daughters. I would say that this is gonna be some teaching. It's interactive. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna help us understand the connection between the Exodus and Christ on the cross and His sacrificial death. So it really uses all senses and it helps just etch in our minds. Understanding of Christ's work on the cross, and so it's going to be a beautiful time. I invite you to come and to be a part of that. I also want to remind you that this podcast is listener supported. We want to continue getting content out, and and honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but as I read this chapter, I just somehow felt like, is this podcast for the people that aren't going to be caught up with Jesus in the clouds? You know, there, there's going to come a time where people know, oh, I didn't really pay attention to the truth and now I need to know. And and things like your journals in your house and, and podcasts and different things are going to be of help to them. So we want, um, we would love, we would love for you to be able to support us and help us get good quality messages out. And so if you would like to do that, you can visit the website, becomingabiblenerd.com and click on the give. Also, we're going to pray for Israel and we're going to pray for family members that don't know and are not following God. So Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just pray right now that in 2023, we've already felt a shift. We've already seen revival break out and we're seeing spiritual activity like never before because that veil is thin. It's thinning out before you come. And Lord, we just pray that just as much as there's been demonic activity on the loose, we pray that your spirit's activity is, is happening everywhere. Blow through the earth. Open hearts, open minds, soften hearts, Lord God. I pray for our family members that have not followed you, that, that they believe that you exist, but they haven't taken this seriously, Lord God. We just pray that you you open their hearts and that they come to know you. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel who do not see that you're Messiah. Show them Open their eyes, open their hearts, send people to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to say one last thing, my big takeaway. My biggest takeaway in this chapter, and I can't believe I didn't say it at the beginning, is um, at the beginning, the Thessalonian church was a little troubled and upset. And it, I have to say that we have felt that when we study in times. Don't don't we all get a little that way? But Paul's saying, no, we're supposed to have peace. We're not supposed to be shaken. We're supposed to comfort others. And so now, of all times, the harvest Is ripe. There is a world that is out there that is wanting to cling to something that stands true, that stands firm. And so now is the time for us to speak truth. I think that we will all be surprised at how people grab hold of our testimony. And so I just tell you to go out, share the gospel, share with us how hungry people are and how they accepted what you had to offer. God is going to be with us. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. We'll hit the last chapter next week. Happy reading.